Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. I know some of you like to know where I'm recording from since we live in the Hopemobile and we travel, and I am in Benson, Arizona right now in a campground in the Hopemobile. In this episode, I'm talking to Rick Kaufman, who lost his three-year-old daughter over 20 years ago by a drowning in a public pool. This interview went a little bit long, but there was so much good stuff in it that I just couldn't figure out what to cut out, so I just left it all in there for you to hear. I am sure that you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Rick, we met through a mutual friend, Joy Weir Miller, and you and I both were speakers at a conference in Urbana, Ohio, and that was how our paths crossed. And I was really fascinated and impressed by your story and what you're doing. And of course, unfortunately, these things seem to come from tragedies that uh, come in our lives and unwanted things. And so I would really like to start out by having you share your story and share Kelsey with us. I mean, it's always a pleasure anytime I get an opportunity to talk about, you know, my daughter. Um, it, it was 26 years ago, uh, June 15th of 1993. Um, she was three years old, two weeks before her fourth birthday. Mm. She was attending our local pool and she was with her babysitter while her older sister was at the pool um, taking swim lessons. Shortly after the swim lessons were over, they went into open swim. 45 minutes later, they found her in the pool floating eight feet in front of a lifeguard. Mm. And um, two boys, the lifeguard never found her. Two boys found her, pulled her to the side, got the attention of the lifeguard, proceeded mm. to CPR. I received a phone call. I owned a business in town and uh, been in business for 30 plus odd years. And, and I was, it was, it was funny because, and, and I don't mean it to say funny because right, nothing right. about this is funny, but, right. but when you look back at this, you know, um, decisions that we make, I was, I was going to leave and go. There was a small town called Mechanicsburg and I was about ready to walk out the, my office door. And I told the gal that was my office manager and said, Hey, I'm going to be gone for a few hours. Um, if, uh, if, you know, anything important happens, you know, we had, we had cell phone, but in the, in early nineties, <laughs> it was very expensive. So I had a major right. also. So I says, Hey, you know, page me if there's an important call or anything comes in that needs my attention. But then I hesitated and I waited and I went to the door and I stopped and I looked back towards the shop and was looking back into the shop and the office phone rang. And I looked at her and I says, don't worry, I'll get it. I, I got it. And there was a, somebody from the pool. I don't remember who it was, but a parent or somebody called and I could hear all this noise in the background. And they told me I need to get to the hospital, get to the hospital quickly. Um, they found your daughter in the pool uh, and they're doing CPR. Mm. And, I, and you came to Urbana. Urbana is kind of a small little town. Yeah. It's not that big. The pool's over on the um, northwest or northeast side of town. And I was on the south side of town, but I could hear the sirens. When I got into mm. my van, I could hear the sirens. I actually, I actually beat the uh, squad to the hospital that day. 
And uh, I remember seeing the paramedics carry my daughter's body um, into the uh, emergency room. Uh, they pulled me off, put me into a secluded room trying to say, okay, where's your wife? And as every good husband does, we know everything our wives say to us, right? <laughs> um, my wife had told me she was in college uh, studying to be a nurse, and she told me where she was going to go. But of course, you know, mm. I got all these things going on. And, and you know, I, and they, they asked me, I said, I have no idea. I don't know where she's at. And they, they say, no, just think. I said, I, I have no clue. I know she told me, but it kind of went in one ear, just like a good husband mm -hmm. goes in one ear, not the other, <laughs> right? And don't send me to the grocery store. But, yeah. but the thing about this was, is, is as they kind of walked me through this, I said, I don't know. Maybe she went to Bob Evans. Okay, well, in Springfield, Ohio, there's two Bob Evans. Which one? I don't know. Probably the one up on the north side of town. Well, okay, we'll start there. They called. That's exactly where she was at. Oh, my. And things happen, you know, I look back and I'm sure, and, and, and I speak with a lot of parents also and other people, and it's amazing the circumstances that take place and that afterwards it's like, okay, why did I do that? Why did I do it that way? Why do I do, you know, because I could have easily left and, and not got the phone mm -hmm. call and couldn't, and maybe easily would never have got to the hospital time. It, it is so amazing. You look back and as strange as it sounds, you see God's hand in it. Oh, exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Matter of fact, I, I, I have goosebumps right now because when you said that, um, it, there is. And, and, you know, it's not our place to question. It's, our not, it's not our place to try to figure out the why, um, mm -hmm. why these that things happen. That can torment us. Mm. Oh, mm. exactly. And with what you do, Laura, and I think with what I do, a lot of people, I've even had family members say, you know, let it go, let it go. I says, you know, this is the best therapy hmm. that I can do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's 26 years ago. Yeah, I have triggers. I have days that I struggle. I mean, the holidays are always tough. Oh, but, yeah. but they're not as hard as what they once were. But when I look back at that day, you, you know, I have a program that I'm just uh, kicking off here. And I call it the unthinkable. And, and, I, and I refer to this as, you know, in business and life, when the unthinkable happens, no matter what that is in your life, everybody, if we live long enough, we're going to have an unthinkable happen. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and when it does happen, the solution is really simple. And I, and I refer to this as I say, go small, go small. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is that most people don't know the solution. In other words, they look at the big, big problem. They look at this big world. They look at God and say, he's big, he's huge. But you know what? You go small. You go to yourself. You go within you. You find that spirit. You find that God power, that God spirit inside you. And you go small. 99% of the people don't do that. And, you know, so the situation is real simple. And I think when we do that, God will provide us answers. He'll show us a path that when sometimes we don't think there is a path, you know, to go. Oh, I mean, that's I mean, so good. I, I, uh, and, and, you know, so I'm committed, you know, when people are really committed to learning this solution, I think it's a really the power that can unlock everything for somebody when something happens, whether or not it's cancer, a divorce, you know, maybe they have a weight problem, whatever that issue is in their life, you know, it, it's something that you just don't think it's going to happen because um, my daughter, like your daughter, we as parents, we didn't believe this would happen when, right. you know, and, and I want to share something with you and your listeners. Um, and I went to a grief group, oh, so many years ago, but I was struggling. I was really, really struggling with this whole thing around death and where she was and how far a casket in the ground and heaven mm -hmm. and just, you know, she's, she's three years old. I'm, I'm pitching her running around the, uh, running around heaven, looking like being lost in a mall. Oh, and, 
in, in running around and saying, you know, I don't, she, she says to me, she's, you know and I'm saying? She doesn't know anybody. Right. And I remember my past, my pastor at the time said to me, he says, Rick, don't worry. She's all knowing. She knows everything. And I, and not to make a joke of this, but I looked at my pastor and I said, that's your job to say that to me. Mm. I says, I mm. need to hear that from somebody else. I need to yes. hear. And, and, and it was really ironic that night when everybody comes to your home, brings all the food and does everything they do to support you. Somebody shared something with me. They were on, the, they were driving from Columbus, Ohio, that where they worked at and they had a vision and they, and they didn't even know anything about this accident. They said, you have a friend who needs you right now. Go to your friend, tell him that we have his daughter. We're taking care of his daughter and that she's okay. Oh my. Uh, you know, there's mm. all types of things in my life and my walk in life that, these type of situations have popped up numerous, numerous times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in, in my life, the unthinkable was that one day, but I've been, you know, but I've, I've been bankrupt twice. I've been divorced. Uh, I, I have blamed, I have blamed my daughter's accident on every one of those things, mm -hmm. but realistically her accident had nothing to do with any of those. Mm -hmm. You know, it was my choices. It was the yeah, choices I true. made at the time. And then I choose to blame that. And that's, you know, and that's not what I believe God wanted me to do. And so we, I, I left the water safety, you know, promoting, and we had a, non a foundation helping um, in to educate people on the importance of drowning prevention and what we could do to solve the problem because drowning is one of the leading cause of unintentional accidental death to children under the age of five. In the, in now, the let me States. just ask you, you yeah. had a swimming pool in your home, right? I mean, we had a backyard pool. Yeah. Yes. So you had taken yeah. so many precautions to keep something like that from happening. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think as an average parent, um, we know the dangers of our, you know, we know the dangers, you mm -hmm. know, around our children. And, you know, and, and if there's somebody listening and they're a first time parent or maybe they're an expecting parent, I want to tell you a story and I'm going to go back in time. And, 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 and you know, you may know when I, when I tell you this, um, it's, it's rather comical, but, it, but I think there's an important lesson here. In that story, going back to 1985, when my first daughter, before my first daughter was born, my wife received a phone call from a Kirby vacuum salesman. <laughs> He says, um, I'm in the military. We lived in a condo and everything. He says, um, and so he says, I'm going to come over and shampoo your carpet free. going to clean your carpet. So, hey, great. Yeah, come on over. You know, my wife's pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's going to have a baby. We want to clean carpet. But then when he, you know, he says, make sure you clean it good. So I'm a very competitive person. So I <laughs> clean this carpet. I clean the carpet and I turn around and I, I uh, shampoo the carpet, vacuum it again. He comes over a few days later and says, pick out a spot on the carpet you want me to clean. And so I pick out a spot that's not a high traffic area. Now, mind you, this is 1985, and we lived in a, a, a condo that was probably 20, 30 years old, and we had this really, I refer to it as kind of puke green, molded <laughs> green carpet that was really popular from the 60s. Uh -huh. So so I really, really cleaned this carpet really good. So he puts on his little attachment with this little white felting and vacuums the floor, pulls it off, shows me all the dirt that's inside this thing, looks at my wife over there, and he says to me, now, you don't want your unborn baby, when she's, when you, don't, you don't want your new baby to be crawling on this dirty <laughs> floor, do you? The next thing I know, the guy walked out with $1,700 on my money yep. at 35% interest. Yes. But, but what that is, is when we, have, when we have a child, we have a young child, and what a 
what a mother shared with me in a grief group um, after my daughter, got, uh, and Kelsey was my second daughter, um, after she passed away, um, she, she looked at me, she says, if God was to come to you and give you a child and tell you two weeks before that child turns four, four years old, I'm going to call that child home. Would you still want it? And because we're very selfish, selfish people, we don't yes. want to share, we don't want to share our loved ones. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's our human nature. It's our spirit. Um, you know, we want to keep those people close to us, but you know, our kids grow up, you mm -hmm. know, they go out and get married. They have a life, you know, they eventually leave us and go out and create their own life, but at least we know they're still out there. I mean, in this case, right. you know, my daughter's not physically out there, but she's with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And, but, going back to that Kirby salesman story is I think as a new parent, we want to keep our children safe. But when I had my second child, we, I thought I did everything right. Just like I thought I was doing, you know, spending all that money for a Kirby vacuum cleaner, you know, by the time you have, you know, we have six kids, we have 11 grandchildren, we're foster parents, we've adopted a daughter. So, I mean, we have a pretty large family. Now I don't, now the kids walk around, our grandchildren walk around, they play in the kitty litter. I, you know, it's just like, <laughs> right. whatever. They're safe, you know. <laughs> I, I got my eyes on they're safe. It's not going to yes. harm. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so that's kind of, you know, it, it's been a long, long journey. And, um, but you know, we all have unthinkables happen and it's like, it's our choices. What do we do after that happens? And I just tell people, go small, get in, get with yourself, get with God and just, just understand you have not because you ask not and mm. you have to ask, you have yeah, to ask I, for help. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that we have Christ in us and that means the seed of hope is already in us. And we don't have to try to reach way out there and find God way out there somewhere. Where is he? He's in you. And just mm -hmm. turn inward and find him in you and begin to find ways to nourish that seed of hope that is in you. You know, you mentioned the things that happen that we can look back and see how God was in the circumstances around our child's death. And I think a lot of parents might have a hard time with that. How do you, how can you say God was in that and, and that God, to me, that's a sign of God's love for us, that all of these little things that happened within that, for me, I look back and Becca died on a hospital bed and I had been gone on a trip she'd been in and out of the hospital. She needed a heart transplant. So we were used to her being in the hospital and we always had someone with her. And I'd been out for a trip and, and she ended up back in the hospital and we'd talk on the phone and she'd say, mom, when are you coming home? And I, it's like, well, I'll be home Wednesday. Do I, do you want me to come home earlier? No, nope, no, nope, I'll be fine. And it was like every conversation we had, when are you going to be back? And so I flew in to, I hardly, I never flew into Madison itself because it's an expensive airport, but I had had miles and that's where I ended up flying from that trip. So I flew straight from the airport, landed, went straight to the hospital because she was at Madison University Hospital, spent some time with her. She wanted me to pray for her, which wasn't that abnormal, but she wanted me to anoint her with oil. She wanted me to kiss her on her forehead. And then as I left, our family always does the I love you sign. 
And so I gave her the I love you sign and she reached up and gave me the I love you sign back. And I had no idea that that was the last time I was going to see her alive. And that mm -hmm. evening, I just had a feeling like I needed to get back up there. So I started driving up and, and that was when her heart went out and I ended up up there seeing her body. And, and it's like, okay, well, I can say, well, God, how can you, how can you say you love me when you did this to my child, which is not the case, but, or you, you allowed this and, you know, this horrible thing to happen to our family but I think so often if we want to we can see those little things that God was doing for us in the midst of all of that just like he was doing things for you you know put, why would you say she was at Bob Evans for crying out loud you know <laughs> I mean those kinds of things and, and right, to right. look for those signs that yes he does still love you and yes you know this isn't permanent is it this is not the final place for no. any of us. And that, yeah. he, I mean, that's, no, he loves us so much that he did that. He made sure that there is going to be a time where we're going to be together and it's going to be forever at that point. Exactly. That's love. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, sh I share, I share my story and I, and I talk with so many families that have lost children, mostly in the water safety community. And I say a lot of lives destroyed and you, and when the unthinkable happens, in this case, a drowning. I always make sure that people understand that the drowning doesn't happen to just the person that drowns. Mm -hmm. It happens to the family. It happens to the staff if it happens at a facility. Mm. It happens to the first responders, the doctors, yes. the emergency technicians, everybody. It happens to the community. On my mm -hmm. podcast a year ago, I, I interviewed my daughter who was at that time when she was eight years old, and she's now a mother of three children. And I interviewed her on my podcast. She told me things in my podcast. It's ep actually episode 14 hmm. of, my, of one of my earlier podcasts. She told me things. And if you listen in, in that podcast, you'll hear in my voice, she tells me things that I didn't know happened. Hmm. She shared stuff with me. It caught me off guard. But the one thing is, is later that night, I'm at a men's um, Christian group and we were sitting there and my cell phone goes off and I pull it out of my pocket just in case it's my wife or somebody looking for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I see that a person sends me a, an instant message through Facebook. It happened to be a girl who was 12 years old, who is now in her 40s, that was at that pool that day. Oh my goodness. And she went and she proceeded to tell me of this accident effect of her wow. she actually was in part of that group that my daughter my two daughters were part of at the time mm. and she actually remembers holding my oldest daughter while my oldest daughter was screaming because she uh. saw her younger sister at wow. the pool laying on the ground i mean it, it proved to me that statement it happens to more people because now she's a grandmother she's a stay-at-home grandmother she doesn't trust anybody watching her kids she lives by a lake mm. she's a swimmer she teaches everybody how to swim and she so it has profoundly mm. changed her behavior around wow. water and that's kind of some of the things that i talk about when i talk with families i says you know we each have a story and, you know, it's our, and I believe that, you know, the reason why I say go small, get inside yourself, find your story, find, find yes. that spirit you can share because you never know who that's going to touch. You know, and, and I heard, uh, I'm sure you probably know who Zig Ziglar is. I yes. love books. I love, especially some of these old ones, but he shared a story and I heard it a long time ago and I heard it again this past weekend. And, you know, he shares a story about a grandfather and a grandson walking along a beach and, you know, the grandfather was looking down at the beach while, along the water's edge, and he finds a sand dollar, and he throws a sand dollar mm -hmm. out into the water. 
Mm-hmm. His grandson said, hey, hey, Grandpa, why, you know, why are you, you know, throwing that out into the water? There's thousands of, of, of them out here. And, then, and the grandfather says, you know, well, you know, that sand dollar is a living organism. But Grandpa, you, you're not going to make a difference because there's a thou- there are thousands of them out there. Right. He says, but you know what? I made a difference in that one. Yes. In that one. And that's, that's why I say get small. You can make a difference in one person. And then once you do that, you just repeat that and do it again tomorrow. Do it again, you know, um, do it again each day and, and, and until your story reaches millions of people. Our podcast is one of the top podcasts on water safety. We have around 10,000 a month on our website. The, the website is called The Kels Group. It's the thekelsgroup.com. And so real simple, you go to the kelsgroup.com forward slash podcast, and that'll take you right to our podcast channel. But then, you know, we're on, we're on all the iTunes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Apple and Google and uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, all those different mm-hmm. you know, mediums. You know, we, ha- we reached our story between our, we have a social media reach of around 35,000 people on our different social media channels, plus uh, over a hundred some thousand listeners to our podcast and subscribers. And so it, we reach... Our reach all total was over a million people last year that mm. heard not only our story, but heard stories of other people. Yeah. And that each one of those is, is that little individual sand dollar being thrown back out, giving mm-hmm. them the opportunity to maybe change their behavior or change or maybe do something to realize life is here today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So what do you do for today is so important in how you spend time with your family and loved and I there's such a, a ripple effect that we don't think life. about either. And it's a ripple effect both ways. I mean, yeah. ripple effect can be negative, mm-hmm. but a ripple effect can also be very positive. Right. I, I think of oh, yeah. um, when earlier when you were talking, it made me think about so often we get so consumed in the why. And mm-hmm. that's a question that's probably not going to be answered. And even if God did tell us why, it wouldn't be a good enough answer for us here and now. It just wouldn't be. We'd want to argue with him why that wasn't a good enough answer. So I really try to encourage parents to turn the question and start asking how. You know, how, God, are you going to get me through this? How are you going to get me out of the darkness? How are you, you say you work everything out for good to those of us who love you and are called and walking according to our purposes. So how are you going to turn this into something good? How is that even possible? How are you going to turn this into something that becomes a purpose in my life? How are you going to help me to let my child live on beyond their death? And, and I think that's when God says, I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll show you how. And I, I think it's so important for us to find a way to allow our child to continue to live. Their life mattered. You know, I don't care if they were three years old, if they never came out of the womb, you know, didn't breathe out of the womb, if they were 68 when they died, their life matters. And, And the death is just a moment. That's the event. And so often we get stuck in that moment in the event of their death, and we forget that they lived. And that's what matters. That's what we need to really focus on in how can their life continue to matter. Right. You know, eight years after my daughter's accident and she died, you know, the bottom really fell out of my life. Um, you know, I attempted suicide. I mm. went through a divorce. I was a failure as a father and I was a failure as a husband. I was a complete, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good enough. And, you know, and I, and I refer to this as I let the unthinkable happen. In other words, I gave all my power, all my joy, everything over to that situation 
that happened eight years and I let that consume me and take care mm. of. And I, and I blame that for my path and my way in life. I never really blamed God. I know a lot of people will blame, you mm-hmm. know, past blame. I never really did. My ex-wife did, but I never really did because I really felt that he has a purpose for this. Mm. Just like you were saying, it's not my place to ask why, but how or what, whatever that is. Matter of fact, I'd be afraid if he told me why, because then I'd probably be doing the wrong thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. right, you know, right. because because a lot of a lot of times when we try to go on our own judgment or what we think is the right thing to do, that's when we make that's that's when we fumble, and that's why eight yes. years later the bottom fell out of my life because I was trying to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, I'm a mechanic. I was an aircraft mechanic. I, I I'm a fixer. It's like I want to fix mm-hmm. things. I want to make mm-hmm. things better. And so I take it upon myself. Even when I run my business, I, I always feel like I do every, I have my hands in everything. It's very difficult for me to relinquish the simple mm-hmm. things that, you know, keep me so busy that I can't find time to do a podcast or can't find time to talk with somebody or speak at an event. And so, uh, so because I, I want to be in control and that's, that's yeah. Really and when our child dies, you can't so, fix that. No, no, gosh, no. Boy, I tell you what, we would if we could, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we would trade our own life. The one thing I always tell people is I don't want you to live with regrets because, you know, when I left, when the bottom fell out and I finally kind of got my life back together, you know, somewhat, you know, it wasn't until 15 years later when I came back into the water safety and I realized that the same people were drowning, the same numbers, nothing had changed. But mm. then I had met families that shared similar stories to mine where their child drowned in front of the lifeguard. Mm. And I had to question if I only would have shared my story with one more person, if I only would have did this. And so I beat myself up over that. Mm. And I, you know, the biggest thing is, is I don't want to have regrets. I don't, you know, it's like, you know, when you, when it's my time to go, I want to be able to have, you know, God look at me and say, well done, good, right. faithful servant. Um, I want my daughter to look at me and say, dad, you did a good job. You yes. I, I know. That's like, it's what? like, yeah. Having our child stand there next to Jesus and hearing him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant, come enter into my joy and, and to have our child's say, yes, you know, good job, mom, good job, dad. I'm so proud of you. I mean, that's, that's quite a thought, isn't it? Oh, it's, I mean, when you think about that, that really gets you inspired to do something about it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because now you, you've taken the focus off you, you yes. know, you've put the focus on God, you put the focus on, you know, the mission or whatever it is. And, and I think once you do that, um, a vision will open up and, you know, and, and people will come across your path. Yes. I mean, it's, it's very ironic. When you reached out to me here about a week or so ago, we were going through the end of the year, looking at our numbers, looking at things. What do we need to do? Looking for a new direction. And I asked, I asked guys, so, okay, what, where am I supposed to go with this? What am I supposed to do? And that's when the whole idea of this unthinkable thing, I says, that's it. I mm. need to put something where I can speak to people, tell my story, but it can resonate. You know, it's, we can connect with people on different levels and we even, even if we don't share a similar, you know, the exact story, they can relate because everybody has had something because if we live long enough, it's going to happen or it's going to hit very, very close to home. And when that does happen, who do, who can you turn to? Mm -hmm. I just tell people, go small, go, go, go into yourself and ask God to come into your life. Ask God to help you and Mm -hmm. he will show you the way. 
Oh, yes. Well, Rick, we're getting close to the end here, running out of time, and I want to give you a chance to share a little bit in detail about what is this water safety and drowning prevention thing that, that you've mentioned a few times. What does that look like? What are you doing? <laughs> well, what I do is, I'm, my main purpose is, is I believe that water's um, on the front line. I don't teach anybody how to swim. My biggest thing that I focus on is there's people on the front lines, like swim instructors, swim schools, those people, and they hold the key. In other words, they, they are working with the people on the front lines. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is parents just don't understand. They don't, it's not that they don't understand. They, they understand water is dangerous. They understand that drowning is a real thing and that you can die in the water. They understand that the point of this is they don't believe it can happen to them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to turn around and tell people, I don't like the D word when I, you know, I don't, because drowning, I think provokes kind of a fear, fear of loss. Parents will turn off because then they say, oh, I'm a good parent. Um, mm -hmm. That won't happen to me. But they put their child in a car seat every time, but then they put a child in the water who can't swim. And, um, and you know, I always say, what's, what is more dangerous in your home? Um, a, a gun that's locked up in a case where the bullets might be someplace separate or you're pulling the backyard. Because the pool mm. in the backyard is locked and loaded every single minute of the day. All a child or, has to or do. Or for some it. kids, even a bathtub. <laughs> you know, kids. Oh yeah. It's sad. Yes, Texas I, had a real huge problem earlier this year. Yeah, they had five in the month of January, February of 2019. They had five children in Texas that drowned in a bathtub. <sighs> and, and it's just that simple little lapse of time. Yes. It only takes 30 yep. seconds. And, and I'm part of an organization that, you know, it's called Families United to Prevent Drowning. And they're all families who've lost children. Mm. Uh, they, they each have an individual story. Um, some of them are, kids were comparable swimmers. They were, they, they were competitive swimmers, went in a swim in a swim meet. And then the next day, go back to the same pool and they drown in three feet of water. Mm. You know, really, you know, for no reason whatsoever how these things happen. Um, little children sit on a, like in a kiddie pool, there's a, the little uh, drain that has a oh, suction. There's yes. a little girl that was disemboweled. Yes. Um, there's there's horror stories like this all the time that we hear. But parents, I think, just believe, hey, it won't happen. I can sit there on my cell phone and I can watch. Parents believe that they can text and drive. We all know that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we don't believe we're going to get in a car accident. But right. most time, the car accident happens when we're closest to home and we don't wear a seatbelt. Well, and that's and so, the whole, that's you know, what an accident is. It's something that we never thought was going to happen. Something that we didn't think right. would or could happen. That's an accident. Right, right. And, you know, but when we look at, you know, public health crises, I mean, you know, you've got this whole thing going on in the world now where you're seeing children dying of vaping. Mm -hmm. You know, just a few years ago, that was, that was unheard of. Parents are really in a, in some way, I'm so glad that my children are grown. I really worry about my grandchildren now. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a very, very yes. different world today. And how parents parent, you know, that's, that I think is a huge problem. And so when I look at the water safety and, the, and what we're trying to do, and sometimes we just wonder, why aren't people listening? Why don't people listen to us? And I think the messaging is huge, but I look at this. That's why I say start small. Jesus started with 12, you know, 12 disciples. He started small. He didn't come into this world and have this huge congregation all across, you know, the whole entire world. He started small. He started small with just 12. Basically, it starts with him, but he had 12 disciples mm -hmm. who then spread the word. And now look what it has happened over time. We, and, you know, I think we can actually eradicate and reduce the numbers. My goal is to save 185,000 lives mm. um, from fatal drowning. 
and over a million lives from non-fatal drowning by June 15th of 2029. That's this decade. That's 50%. There's roughly 380, 390,000 people that drown worldwide. Wow. Here in the United States, that's 10 people a day. Mm. Um, two to three of those are children under the age of 15. And the ones that are over 15, 66% of those people that drown know how to swim. That's huge. And you don't so, think that. You, know, you just, just don't going, think that. Yeah. Yeah. People get into situations, they get in a panic situation. I know a gentleman in Florida several years ago, he jumped in to save uh, a grandfather and a grandchild. Um, the grandchild lived, grandfather lost his life, and he got stuck in a rip current and he drowned mm, also. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, we, it's a knee jerk reaction. We, we hesitate. And not only that, there's so many adults that don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they have a profound fear of water and they, they don't enter the water. But what happens if they find themselves in a situation, they panic and they don't know what to do. Um, you know, I don't have the answers to these things. Um, I just I just try to motivate those that are on the front lines of this problem because we have more people leaving. I had a phone call with a gentleman this weekend, over 40 years of experience in water safety. You said jump out of helicopters mm. and save people in ocean and waters even mm-hmm. off of boats uh he is so upset with what he's seeing because nothing's because the numbers are still the same all this stuff and he calls me and we had a two-hour conversation on saturday because i says you can't leave i mm. says if you leave what happens when the unthinkable happens you're taking all your knowledge and all yeah. your expertise and i says the problem is you're trying you're trying to solve the worldwide problem I says, you need to focus on that next person. Get in front of one person. And that's, you have to have a conversation because that's where everything happens. It happens inside the conversation. Just like we get into ourselves and we have to have a conversation with God. And at that point in time, everything happens in that conversation. Yeah. And to ask for divine connections, divine networking, and and let God connect you to that one person who can then take it further than you can by yourself. I mean, we we need each other. Yeah. Because your story, and then the next thing you know, your story reaches millions of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like you said, somebody hears it and says, I'll help you write a book or I'll help you do this or we'll make a documentary. Or we'll partner a company or business says, Hey, I have a solution. We, you know, will you help me? Whatever the case is. And you just never know. But those people, you know, I really believe that you and I are here, not because we planned this a long time ago, right? but it's because God was working in the back. Not only is he working on me, but he's working on you. Mm-hmm. And it gave us an opportunity to reconnect. And, yes. uh, and it's not by chance. It's all, this was all part of his plan because mm-hmm. if we would have done this podcast, you know, six months or a year ago, my message would have been completely different than what mm-hmm. it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all this talk about the whole water safety thing, it's not to put a fear in people. It's to say, get wisdom and understanding and, and be aware and do what you can do. It's, you know, I don't want people to mm-hmm. <laughs> walk away with this fear about, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. So, right. Go- and, and, and there's a lot of people that promote the fear thinking the fear is going to motivate people to take action to see that this so it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. The biggest thing is water safety is a lifestyle. Just like you want to be healthy. You have mm-hmm. to live a healthy lifestyle. To be water safe means you have to live that lifestyle, understanding that 
Drowning shows up when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care about your income, race, color, creed, whatever. It doesn't care about any of that stuff. It's just like anything else in, in life. When things happen, when the unthinkable happened, it happens at that particular moment in time when we did not expect it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's when we let our guard down. It's when we are putting our focus on something else. We're wrapped up in on our Facebook newsfeed, getting all wrapped up in all that drama that's going on in social media and we're not paying attention to the ones that depend on us to pay attention to them. That's, that's, it's a lifestyle. We have to be able to understand that these things are dangerous and it's just not water. It's just that, you know, Mm -hmm, I always, I have a saying, if you can't swim, don't go in. (laughs) But if you don't want to die in a car accident, don't get in a car. If you don't want to die (laughs) in a plane crash, don't get in a plane. So if you can't swim, think about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you shouldn't go in until you know the risks and the dangers. And that goes for your children too, because you can teach children as young as three, four, five, six months old. You can teach them the skill. You've probably seen it where they can learn to flow. It's amazing to watch that. It's upsetting because you see the child's crying. I don't want to traumatize my child. You know what? I would have traumatized my daughter Mm. because if she would have had that one skill, she could have been here today. We're here, you and I, and I'm sure we've had a lot of trauma in our life as kids. Mm -hmm. We're we're, we're, we're living pretty normal lives. Well, Rick, I want to let you know that just talking to you in just these last few minutes made me realize something, you know, talking about it being a lifestyle and thinking, well, that won't happen to me kind of a thing. I actually was a certified lifeguard for a while mm-hmm. and right out of high school. And I lifeguarded at a lake. I also live with that thought of, well, I'm a lifeguard. I know how to swim. I'm a good swimmer. And my husband and I just got a little canoe that can travel with us. And he asked me yesterday or the day before, do you think we should get a couple of little life jackets to have him with us? And I'm thinking, nah. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> we should. You're right. Yeah. Well, there was a story this past summer. There was a family that was going down. We have this river just goes to Mad River just a couple miles from my house. But there was a family and they had a 12 or 14 month old child. Uh, they did not put a life jacket on this child. The, the, the canoe hit a tree. The water was a little high because the spring was wet, rainy, snow melt. So the water was a little high. It was a little swifter. They hit a tree which caused the t- canoe to capsize. This child didn't have a life jacket on mm. and the child drowned. And, uh, you know, just having, just taking that precaution, this child would have been here. The other thing too is there's technology. That is available now and there's more and more technology coming that for lifeguards who are in open water for lifeguards that are on beaches things like that there is technology coming that's going to support their jobs it's not necessarily going to make their jobs easier but it's but the point of it is it's hopefully it will help mitigate some of that risk of involved where you know you have something supporting you other than just your eye or mm. your ears and, and you know, as, as being a lifer, drowning is passive. It takes place underwater. It's not like yes. what we see in, in right. Hollywood. So yep. everything we yep. see in movies and TV, it's, it's not. And that's, that's why, that's why that life people say, well, why didn't that lifeguard see your daughter? If he, it's because it was happening underwater. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. happened underwater. It didn't happen on the surface. Yeah. Well, Rick, it has been so good talking to you. I have really enjoyed this. And I, I'm guessing that if I were to ask you, you know, what to tell a grieving parent who's looking for a way to help their child leave a legacy, you would say start small. Just start with the one. I would say start, start with s- the thought. Yes. Yep. Start small. Ask. Ask for help. Ask God for help. He'll show you the way. And if you feel led that this is a mission 
or a ministry where you can minister to other parents, other people, whatever that looks like for you, then you need to follow that because God puts dreams in us. And, and again, it's not our place to question why we just, we just need to do, we need to follow that mm -hmm. because we don't know where it's going to lead. And it, very well, in my case, it has opened up so many new doors, uh, so many new relationships, so many new people. And I get letters and messages from all over the world. And, um, and it is because people heard my podcast and I'm sure you know, you're probably similar too. where the beauty of podcasts, they go all over. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I hope the listeners check out your website. It's a good website and there's a lot of information there. And especially if you're interested in getting involved with something like this. Thank you again, Rick. And I have a feeling our paths will continue to cross here. Well, thank there. you. We talked some in this interview with Rick about how we could look back and see God's hand in the circumstances in the death of our child. And I do believe that God has done that for each of us. So if you can't see anything, you haven't been able to see anything like Rick and I were talking about, I just want to encourage you to ask God to show you where he was in this process and when it happened and as things were unfolding for you and show you how he was either preparing you or your child or ask him for you to be able to see signs that he really was there in the middle of all of it. Before I go on to the birthday segment, I do want to remind you that you can sponsor an entire podcast episode in honor of your child. You get to pick a date that corresponds with a special date for you and your child, and I'll read what you want the listeners to know about your son or daughter. And this tribute to your child will be heard by hundreds of listeners for years to come. Just go to the Donate tab on our website and click on the Sponsor a Podcast episode to find out more. And now, let's go to the birthday segment. First, we have Celeste France, who was born on January 29th and is forever 17. And I'm reading this a week late. The birthday came in a week late, but I didn't want to make her family wait an entire year to have her birthday announced. And then we have Brenton Smith, and Brenton was born on February 10th, and he is forever 24. And I just want to add that Brenton is the son of Stacy Snyder, who does most of the GPS Hope Facebook posts. We celebrate with these two families the day that Celeste and Brenton came into this world, and we just rejoice in the blessing that their lives were. In closing out this episode, remember that even though the unthinkable has happened, it is possible to live a full life again. I hope and pray you won't end up being like Rick, living with regrets because of choosing to remain in the darkness of grief for many years instead of fighting your way out. Here at GPS Hope, we are here to walk with you, to bring light into your place of darkness, and to help you find your way back to living a life of meaning and purpose again, not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life. And remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.